Hi, I'm Jack Cacciarella. And I'm Aaron Hardis. And this is Zoomed In. On this week's episode of Zoomed In, Aaron and I will be hitting the headlines talking about Beto O'Rourke's run for governor of Texas, Steve Bannon being put behind bars, and President Biden signing his infrastructure bill. After that, Aaron and I will finish up, as we always do, with Tweets of the Week. Aaron, you excited for this week's episode? be a great one, Jack. Okay, so let's do it. Let's zoom in. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Aaron, is there something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from reaching your goals? Yeah, it's Ted Cruz calling Big Bird government propaganda. (laughs) Ted Cruz always interferes with my happiness. I'm going to be excited when he doesn't anymore because he will be out of the Senate in 2024. I, you know, I can't wait to, and you know, BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist to help you um, get back your happiness. And you know, you can start communicating with them in under 48 hours. It's not a Christ line. It's not self-help. It's professional therapy done securely online. And there is a broad range of expertise available, which may, which may not be locally available in many areas. Now, the service is available for clients worldwide, and you can log into your account at any time and send a message to your therapist. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as you would with traditional therapy. Now BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change therapists if needed. And it's more affordable than traditional offline therapy and financial aid is available. Now BetterHelp wants you to start living your happier life today, Jack. Yeah, so visit their website, read their testimonials that are posted daily, and you will know that BetterHelp is right for you. Visit betterhelp.com backslash zoomed in. That's better H-E-L-P and join the over 2 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. So use special offer zoomed in and listeners get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash zoomed in. Jack, let's hit the headlines and let's jump in and talk about Beto O'Rourke's historic run for governor. Now, as you know, Beto previously ran for Senate against Ted Cruz and lost. He ran for president in the Democratic primary and didn't really even make it. I don't think he made it to the initial. Didn't make it to January. Didn't even make it to January. So many people ask, I mean, Beto is a great candidate. He's going to fundraise a lot of money. But in your eyes, is is he a winner? I think so. I think we we can only say that the state of Texas is not a state that we can win. And some Democrats will say that it's not. They'll say that until we win Texas. Until Texas is officially blue, people will be pessimistic. And that reminds me of a state that was kind of key in 2020. Yeah. Georgia. You're right. And a state that was key in 2018. Arizona. Yeah. These were states that were previously deep deep red states that have become significantly important electorally. I just got to pause you right there. Shout out to Martha McSally in 2018 because she she was a real one. Let me tell you. That's my girl. Martha (laughs) McSally. This is the only shout outs I'll ever give the Republicans. Martha McSally, Kelly Loeffler. You two were appointed three times between them. Three times between them. They were appointed (laughs) to the Senate. Lost all three times. Let's go. No, I, I, I agree with you. But what do you seriously, what do you think about Beto's run? What do you think? How do you think it's going to impact other Texans um, running down ballot? 
Um, and what do you, I mean, is this kind of like a precursor kind of for setting up the infrastructure for 2024 and beyond? Aaron, those are important questions, but you brought up such a great point that I just want to go back to it one more time. <laughs> Everyone, Martha McSally has yeah. done more to elect Democrats than some Democrats have. She personally handed us on a silver platter two Senate seats in Arizona and helped us flip that state blue for Joe Biden in 2020. So do you know what? As you're thanking, as you're thanking Stacey Abrams, as you always should, as you're thanking Joe Biden, as you're thanking, you know, Jamie Harrison. Also, mm -hmm. give a shout out to Martha McSally, a Republican who is so good at losing that she helped us win two Senate seats. OK, now back to the headlines, now back to the important topics. Beto O'Rourke was historic in yes. 2018 with regards to turning out Democrats, turning out independent voters, and came very, very close. Now, you're going to say it's a couple points, but historically close to beating Ted Cruz. Mm -hmm. Now, anyone who is in opposition to Ted Cruz, especially if you are an eight foot two bird, is going to have my full support. So Beto had the support of a broad coalition of Texans because it's really easy to hate Ted Cruz because we all do. Right. But, but Beto is not just the anti-Ted Cruz. Since the 2020 Democratic primary, he has made it his personal mission in a Stacey Abrams-esque fashion to travel across Texas, not only register vote, uh, voters and not only register new voters, but do something that I said is always key in what Stacey Abrams did in Georgia. And that's talked to voters who felt disaffected, voters who felt that the Democratic Party really didn't care about them anymore. People who maybe voted in 28, uh, 20, uh, 2012 or 2008 haven't voted for Democrats since, haven't voted at all since. And Beto has been going out and he has been having those important conversations with the people of Texas. So Beto is building a broad coalition. And what is that broad coalition going to do? It is going to elect Democrats down ballot. Aaron, this is something you always talk about that is so yeah. crucial. So can you shed some light on why it's so important to elect Democrats down ballot in states like Texas? Yeah, I mean, and I say this a lot, and it's really, it needs to be more of a rallying cry, rallying cry for the Democratic Party. I mean, the Republican Party has really made it its mission to pass um, and to take over these state legislatures from Alaska to Florida and everywhere in between. Because when you really think about the worst policies coming out of uh, anywhere in the United States. You think of in the past 100 years or 200 years even, you think about slavery, you think about the attack on a woman's right to choose, you think about the lack of action on climate, attack on healthcare rights. None of that comes from the federal government. Federal government actually does very little. All of that comes from the state governments because that's where under the guise of federalism, states have the utmost power to do really whatever they want. And that's why you see these like abortion bills being passed in Texas. There will be one in Florida. You see gerrymandering and, and, and voting rights, um, voting, voter suppression bills being passed on a state level. All of that happened in the state legislature. And right now in Texas, you have a Republican majority in the state legislature. And unless you have a strong Democrat at the top of, uh, at the, top of the ticket, win or lose, you're not gonna have the turnout you need and also the money coming into Texas that you need to flip many of these down ballot races. Now, do I think Beto is gonna win? I don't know. I mean, it's gonna be a very tough race. I think Beto is a great candidate and I hope he wins, but it is gonna be a very tough race because I don't think Texas is where Georgia was at. I would make the prediction that I think what Beto is doing now is kind of what Stacey Abrams did back in 2018. Right? Um, at that time she ran, she lost by a point, I, I think maybe two, it was very close. It was a very tight race, yeah. But she spent the next four years, and, and even pre preceding 2018, she was out there registering voters, building this infrastructure. 
And Beto up until now was doing very similar things, like you said. So he might come in and he might lose by a point, but a loss against an institutional governor and Greg Abbott by one point shows that Texas is moving in the right direction and it really sets Democrats up, the infrastructure that Beto is gonna build, win or lose, for 2024. Because in 2024, you're gonna have a Senate seat there in Ted Cruz, who's, um, although isn't the most vulnerable Senate, he's, he's not like a Kelly Leffler, he, he is beatable because Absolutely. he is the most popular senator. And then you're also gonna have the presidency. And, and as states like Florida trend more red, you need states like Texas, these big states, to trend more blue. So I think no matter what, this Beto announcing is a great thing. I think he can win. It's going to be a tough race, but it's going to all depend on Democratic turnout um, in all 254 counties in Texas, yeah. uh, from the most rural to the most urban. So and, we'll and Aaron, when you talk Texas, you always have to bring up a certain a certain famous figure in Texas, and that's Matthew McConaughey. And yeah. whenever you bring up Matthew McConaughey, you also have to make the joke that if he runs while Beto is running as well, that's not going to be all right, all right, all right. Um, so what, what, sorry about that. I apologize. Uh, I have to make the joke, but Democrats, this has to be in the back of their minds that Matthew McConaughey may be feeling out a possible run. Is that something he wants to do? Is this a media narrative? Right. What's your take on McConaughey running for governor? And, and if he announces, what's the plan for Democrats? Well, I would, I'm, I'm hopeful that Beto would not have announced if he knew that McConaughey was going to jump. And I agree. Right. If, McCon if he knew for a fact that McConaughey was fundraising, building an apparatus to jump in, I would have hoped that Beto would have stepped out of the race. And the reason why is because McConaughey, for all of his faults, is a very popular figure in Texas. He's a very popular figure nationwide. Polls have shown that McConaughey would actually beat Abbott. Um, he might not be the best candidate. He might not be the best Democrat in the race. But there's no need to have an extremely tough, expensive Democratic primary when you're just going to have to turn around three months later and face uh, a governor who can raise all the money he wants, do whatever he wants in the meantime. So you need someone, the Democrats need to have their pick now. So I think, and, and I think they do, because I saw when Beto announced you had the Texas Democratic Party, you had key figures in the, in the Democratic Party there. You had key figures across statewide. The state is behind, the state is behind Beto. Absolutely. For Beto. So I don't think that would have happened if Ron was in the I agree. And I, I think that is important to note that if you are worried about McConaughey rumors, I, I you know have confidence in the fact that I don't think Beto's team, we have been teasing the, it's been, it's been months now since we've heard the news of, and you know, the same thing is similar can be said with Stacey Abrams, but it's been a, a while that we've been hearing the news that expect Beto to launch. And, and on the Stacey know, Abrams front, I, I, I'll make a prediction. I think she's going to launch very soon. I, I do as well. My, my prediction is before the end of the year, a little Christmas present for us, you oh, could call I, it. I, I think she'll launch by the end of the month, maybe. Ooh. Potentially Ooh. the first week of December. I like that. I love that. And so, uh, you know what? That, that, again, that's a nice little holiday gift, a little gift of democracy, a little gift of Stacey Abrams. Um, but, you know, I, I think that Beto and his team, they're obviously smart enough to know that they're getting in this race to win. And if they have the expectation that McConaughey is too much of a factor that that's going to hurt them, that's going to take away voters, it's going to pull support or make it a more, not, I'm not going to say a more difficult race, but a, a race that they're not going to be able to navigate, then they wouldn't jump into it. So I For feel sure. confident in the fact that, that that's not what's going on right now. And these are just rumors. This is a media narrative. 
People need something to talk about. And so this is what we're talking about instead of this historic campaign by Beto. I mean, something that I personally speculate is the timing for when Beto announced. I mean, I don't think Beto was ready to announce this early. I think Beto personally was going to announce in the new year or early December, if I had to guess. I think there was something that kind of pushed him to announce a little earlier hmm. um, to get the fundraising numbers up or to kind of push someone out. So maybe there is something behind the scenes in Beto announcing earlier than usual so that he can push McConaughey out. Um, or that's maybe, possible. maybe he's just capitalizing on the real momentum and energy. And, that's, and, that's, and that's something that we shouldn't, you know, we shouldn't overlook is right. that we have had fears about 2022 since September when we've seen President Biden's poll numbers stop, start to drop, go away from those nice 53, 54% that he was sitting at. And I think Beto wanting to hop in the race now is a sign that Democrats have momentum. I think that's an excellent point. I don't think Beto wanted to announce the Monday after Terry McAuliffe lost in Virginia. I don't think he would want to if Democrats hadn't passed an incredible, a historic infrastructure bill that President Biden signed today. So I think this should show us that there is real optimism by voters and that Beto's team, obviously, we said that's a smart group of people. They want to capitalize on this momentum now. Democrats have momentum. And Beto announcing is driving that momentum even more. So we should be excited about 2022. Yeah. We shouldn't be worried. And something that we should be really excited about is for the first time ever, we should be excited about Steve Bannon. Because Aaron, as our leg, uh, as a resident legal expert here, Aaron Parnas, the 11-year-old lawyer, could you break down more the Steve Bannon case and what is ongoing there? So, I mean, as many know that Department of Justice uh, finally indicted Steve Bannon on two counts of contempt of Congress, one for his failure to appear for a deposition, and the second was failure to produce papers or documents in response to a lawful subpoena. Both are criminalized under Title II United States Code Section 192, which makes it a, con- which makes it a crime to defy a congressional investigation or like a lawful subpoena, essentially obstruct an investigation. And um, what's interesting about this, and I've said it before, is that uh, Section 192 has a mandatory minimum sentence prescribed of 30 days in prison or in jail uh, for anyone who's found guilty and a maximum of one year. So if Bannon is found guilty on both. He's going to have a minimum of 30 days, a maximum of two years. He will not get anywhere near the maximum, but whatever. That's the sentencing guideline based on the statute. Today, Bannon appeared for the first time in front of Judge Robin Merriweather and the United States District Court for the District of Columbia, um, who Judge Merriweather is a magistrate judge, and he appeared uh, as all criminal defendants would after being arrested or being um, asked to self-surrender, where for his first appearance and Judge Merriweather granted him a bail package that was negotiated between his attorneys, as I predicted, and the government over the weekend, uh, which allows him to be under pretrial supervision by the court's pretrial program for officers. Um, Essentially, he's going to have to check in weekly. He's going to have to tell them whenever he is planning on leaving or traveling. And then he also importantly has to surrender his passport. And on Thursday, he's going to be arraigned where he's going to plead not guilty uh, to the crimes. And then the case is off. And then his attorneys are probably going to try to dismiss the charges based on executive privilege and maybe some other arguments might work, probably won't. And I'm happy to explain why it won't. Um, And then uh, you'll eventually get to a trial. Um, And then who knows? And we're expecting that trial to be on what you said is on the later half of next year. So this is still yeah. going to take a while. 
but we have what we want. And those are the first steps in holding Steve Bannon accountable and making sure that other Trump cronies show up when they are deposed. Yeah. No, I mean, I think it's important. And I, and I think that it kind of, see, I never want to see people indicted because when you indict someone, you mean that you, you show that they're committing crimes. You, you don't want people committing crimes in society, right? But here an indictment was necessary. And I'll say this, there are many people on Twitter who today were saying, throw him in jail and essentially take away the key, right? Like he needs to be detained pending trial because he's a flight risk. He needs to get the maximum two-year penalty. And folks, that's not how to look at this because when you're thinking about the criminal justice system, it's not designed to be a criminal punishment system. And I understand the concern. There are a lot of black and brown individuals serving longer sentences than they should be. But let's rectify that. Let's not instead impose longer sentences on political opponents simply we, because we don't agree with their po- political stances. And, and of course, this is not a, a politically motivated attack no. on Steve Bannon. This is Steve no. Bannon breaking the law and, and, right. and opposing the laws of Congress. And he will be punished. But for a misdemeanor offense, Bannon's sentencing guidelines, based on the fact that he doesn't have a criminal history, based on the fact that um, he's older, um, He's, he was not looking at more than three to six months in jail um, when you break down the guidelines. Now, that's still a significant amount of time because not only is that three to six months in a D.C. jail, which are known to be some of the worst in the country, but importantly, that's three to six months that Bannon can't have a voice, can't mm. do a podcast from jail. And, and, you know, you saw him outside of I, I was it outside of the courthouse today. Um, he was promoting his podcast and he was trying to turn himself into this this political hero saying that they're coming for me, they're attacking me, you need to listen to me because they're trying to hold my voice down. And obviously that's not what, what's happening here, but it is an added bonus that we are stu- uh, shutting up Steve Madden for a good amount of time. You're not um, shutting it up until he's found guilty. Like, this right? is of course true because you can't do your podcast in jail uh, and that's going to be a fantastic period of time. But he, at the, at the same time, like you said, it is important that we're taking away his, we're not trying to, but this is a result, but at that time, he was advertising his podcast, which is just what Steve Bannon does. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so, you know, now shifting away from, from Bannon, there, there was something that I've been seeing a lot um, that I kind of just wanted to discuss with you, Aaron. Um, mm-hmm. There's been a lot of rumors. We saw a couple of reports come out yesterday that Vice President Kamala Harris and her team are kind of dissatisfied with the role that she's been playing in the White House. And this is this is circulating as well with these rumors that you know possibly Joe Biden might not be running for re-election again in 2024. Right. You know we saw similar rumors back in 1983, uh, uh, presuming that President Ronald Reagan then uh, wouldn't be running for a second term. And of right. course, we see that the two future leaders in you know at least the Biden administration of the Democratic Party appear to be Pete Buttigieg and Kamala Harris. Now that's just the public perception. And, and, and because of that, Vice President Harris maybe doesn't feel like she has been given the opportunity to shine or come into that, um, you know, pre-presidential role as maybe she sees it. Um, Aaron, how do you feel about those rumors? Are they valid? Is the concern more so than just a media narrative or what's going on there? It's pure D.C. politics. I mean, this is these are leaks from probably Kamala's office or from other offices. I mean, these are people just stirring up drama for no reason. I think that, and it happens in every administration. First, I think it's important to recognize that President Biden has never said he's not running for a second term. 
He has always been consistent. He's in fact said the opposite, that he will. And of course, you know, I don't think any president in the first six months of their administration would come out and say, hey, I'm not running again. Because then you lose a little bit of that mandate. I think it's true. He has not suggested that he wouldn't run for a second term. And I think he will run if he doesn't accomplish what he wants to accomplish. And I think what he won't run, the, the only situation he won't run is either A, he accomplishes everything he wants to, which I don't think will happen in the first four years, or B, he sees a, a, the fact that he's not going to have a Senate, he's not going to have a House, it's going to be under Republican majorities, mm-hmm. and it's just going to be continued obstruction for another four years. So we'll see. I mean, that's still a little ways away. As far as the whole Kamala rumor, I will say this. Mayor P, Secretary Mayor Pete. Secretary Mayor Pete. He deserves all the credit, not all, a lot of the credit for this bipartisan infrastructure bill. He is the transportation secretary after all, right? He was one of the key architects of this bill and he deserves a ton of credit for it. Kamala Harris wasn't one of the key architects of this bill. It's not like she was on Capitol Hill lobbying senators every day to move. Yes, she was making some calls and stuff, but but people aren't bashing Kamala. And, and, you know, uh, some of the complaints that we're hearing, though, is that she hasn't been able to play to her strengths by a bit because of, of the way that she the, her role has been in this administration. Now, you see that she was just in France. Uh, she has been dealt the uh, the hand of dealing with the um, with the, the crisis at the southern border. And, and a lot of people have been saying, well, you know, those aren't her strengths. That's not where she's going to be able to be successful. On one hand, you have that vice presidents. And this is true. Usually have to deal with some of the shit that the president doesn't want to. And that's historically how it's gone. On the other hand, you have the, the fact that under the, the Obama administration, a lot of the similar foreign affairs uh, that, you know, that Kamala Harris is dealing with now, um, that, that was the job of Joe Biden, right? So I think he is trying to have her play a similar role that he did. And, and maybe it's just that the circumstances are different. No, I mean, it's, it's true. I don't know. We also have to re- realize it's only been 10 months since they've come into office. Exactly. They haven't had the opportunity to really show off all of their skills. And I would argue four years is not enough for a president to Absolutely. really get in the group and a vice president to get in the group. It really does take six, seven years before you start seeing true results. And that's part of the reason why we didn't see really anything happen um, in the Trump four years, like policy-wise. You really had very few things happen. The same thing is happening here. And I think that Kamala will find her sea legs. She will get in the groove. Um, I think she has a lot of talent. There's a reason she was picked vice president. And it's Mm -hmm. it's like she was the attorney general. She was elected to be the next senator of California, the big, like the most populated state in the country. So people are behind her. It's about getting her in front of the mic and showing off what she can do because she is an one of the best oral advocates there there are out there. I and absolutely it's, agree. It's yeah, and, and, and I think part of the problem is when we're when we're talking about this media narrative that's been created, yeah. President Biden is on a bit of a I don't want to call it a winning streak right now, but there's momentum we've obviously talked about that's behind the Democratic Party. Right. And there always has to be some criticism in DC, no matter where no matter if things are going well or poorly for Democrats. You know, a couple months ago, you know. <laughs> The, the, the problem was that Joe Biden wasn't having enough. He wasn't asked, letting the, the press ask him enough questions or he wasn't having enough one-on-one sit-down interviews. And right. like, well, Joe Biden's too busy governing, right? That was the main criticism. Now we're seeing crit- uh, criticism lobbied at the vice president. 
part of that is because there always needs to be a narrative. The media always has to stir up something. But I think another part of that uh, part of that is that if you hear these rumors, and maybe they're not rumors, maybe that's just a narrative trying to be created. But if there's a, a, an assumption that Joe Biden might not be running in 2024, if you start to look at Kamala Harris, someone who might be running for president in the next year or two, there's going to be more criticism, right? If you're in that spotlight, if you're next up, there's going to be more criticism of you. So if the expectation is that she is the future leader of the party, there's inherently going to be more criticism behind that. Something that Vice President Joe Biden didn't have to face in the Obama administration, because I don't think the party was necessarily looking at Joe Biden at that point as their next leader, as their next president. So he faced less scrutiny. But I will say, Jack, listen, it's still a year away. Kamala's not running right now. She is at least a year away, if not two years, like you said. It's a long time and a lot can change and a lot will change. So many things are going to happen. So instead of focusing on that, let's focus on the big win of today. And that was the bipartisan infrastructure bill. Absolutely. Finally, infrastructure week, President Biden signed it today, held an amazing ceremony at the White House with elected officials from across the country. And I think it really signaled today that for the past four years before Biden took office, we've been waiting for this moment. I was championing this one. I was praying that Trump could probably could, could do this because if Trump would be able to pass an infrastructure bill, I would have championed that. I think that would be that would have been amazing. But he wasn't able to get it done. And President Biden, within the first nine and a half months, was able to get it done. And that just shows the stark differences between a Democratic administration and a Republican administration. Democrats deliver, and it showed today, Jack. Yeah, and instead of Democrats talking about you know, uh, at least in the media, I think instead of focusing on, you know, 2024, we need to be focusing on right now. And that's why, you know, President Biden signed this bill on Monday. On Tuesday, he is going to be in my home state right now of New Hampshire. Uh, Wednesday today, if you're listening to this on Wednesday, he will be in Michigan and he is out on the road, hopefully maybe scooping some ice cream for a couple of people while he is talking about infrastructure, bridges and ice cream. That is the Biden combination that I like. Uh, maybe throwing a little bit of Amtrak there, and that's everything we need. That's the big three. That's a great trio. I love that. Sell me more of that. If I were in the White House and I were the White House's political director, let's do it. Go for it. A nationwide Amtrak uh, tour. I, I would love get, it. I would get the president on a train from D.C. to California, mm-hmm. stops along the way, go Ooh. through the Midwest, go through the Badlands, go through everywhere, and champion this bill. Yeah, absolutely. Any planes. Don't take, take the trains. Don't take planes. Take the trains. That's no, the whole point. Take the trains. Do it. We love the trains. Structure that we have. Um, and, and I think that would be, that would send such a message. I don't think we're going to do it obviously, but I digress. I, I wish, I wish, I wish I was in the white house telling them what I what they did, what to do. And now Aaron, so let's say this is the imaginary situation that we're creating. You're in the white house. You're in charge. You're, mm-hmm. you're Ron Klain, your chief of staff. Okay. Mm-hmm. So on this tour that we're planning out, Obviously, Joe Biden's going to come see you in Florida because that's your home state and you're his chief of staff. So he wants to help you out there, get you a couple of political points. Of course. So this Amtrak tour, obviously, it's the winter. So maybe we're doing a hot chocolate combination. But if Joe Biden is out and about, Joe Biden has to be scooping ice cream. What flavor ice cream is Joe Biden scooping? These are the hard hitting questions that I want to know what you have to say. Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I think you got to keep it simple mm-hmm. with uh, depending on the stop. So you got to have your chocolate, vanilla, strawberry. Classic. And then you have to have a one flavor to represent the state you're in. Mm. So if you're in Florida, you got to have like an orange flavor. Or if you're in like South Florida, you got to have like a key lime flavor for like Ooh. Key West, right? Um, I like it. Different. 
Um, if you're in Georgia, you got to have a Georgia peach flavor, Boom. right? Like you, you got it. That's exactly how I would do it. And then have your staples and then have one unique flavor. What about you? I, I think, I think, do you know what you do? Joe Biden. He is uh, I think he is incredible with a great dad one liner. So I think what you do is you serve Rocky road and you say Rocky road. This is what the infrastructure was like before I passed this bill. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. I did that. That's what I, yeah, that was my idea, Aaron. That was yeah. the setup for that joke. This minute and 30 seconds was the setup for that one bad dad joke about Rocky Road ice cream. That sounds great, Jeff. This is why we have a podcast. This is why we should be in charge of things. Yeah. <laughs> At the White House, Ron Klain, if you're listening, if, if you know, I think Ron Klain definitely listens. I know before he goes to bed every night on Wednesday, President Biden is tuning in to Zoomed In. Um, so President Biden, I know that you're listening right now. Rocky Road, you're going to want to check it out. It's going to be a great joke. You're absolutely going to kill it. And I believe it. And, and with that, and with that, I think we've hit the headlines pretty adequately. Aaron, let us jump into Tweets of the Week. Hey, Jack, is that a pumpkin I see in your room? Yeah, it is. Um, I know that October is usually the season for, for pumpkins. As a Jack, I'm always supportive of jack-o'-lanterns. But, you know, sometimes you got to have a pumpkin at the wrong season. Got to have it at the wrong time. But do you know what is always the right time? It's always the right time to bundle your home in auto insurance and save on coverage with Policy Genius. And you know, Jack, the reason you choose Policy Genius is because Policy Genius makes it easy to compare home and auto insurance in just one place. They can help you find both coverages similar to what you have now, but at a lower price. And on average, they've saved customers $1,250 per year when they're paying for both home and auto insurance. They save new customers on average $435 per year on just auto insurance and $350 per year just on home insurance. Now, their team will handle the paperwork to set your new policy up or switch over from your current one. Yeah, getting started is easy. First, head to policygenius.com and answer a few quick questions about yourself and your property. Then, Policy Genius takes it from there. The Policy Genius team can look for ways to save you more, including bundling your home and auto policies. If they find a better rate than what you're paying for, then they'll switch you over for free. Their top-notch service has earned Policy Genius thousands of five-star reviews across Trustpilot and Google. So head to policygenius.com to get started right now. Policy Genius. When it comes to insurance, it's nice to get it right. Aaron, now it's time for Tweets of the Week. Our first tweet comes from Vice President Kamala Harris. She says, pre-K in the United States costs about $8,600 per year. President Joe Biden's Build Back Better framework will deliver free universal preschool for every three and four-year-old in America, easing the burden on working families and investing in our children's future. Love it. It's time to do it. It's time to pass Build Back Better, and it is time to invest in the next generation of Americans. Yep. Our next tweet comes from The Onion. This tweet uh, talking about former Governor Chris Christie, it says, energize Chris Christie, ready for the next chapter of humiliation. Oh, now, Chris Christie has been in the news a lot lately. It looks like he's plotting a run for president, which will be great for all people who love watching Chris Christie embarrass himself, which I'm a part of that group, and he will. And our final tweet comes from Daniel Yulfelder, who says, what does Aaron Rodgers' research say about whether he should wear a helmet? I, I think Aaron Rodgers may have played some football without some helmets, uh, considering the decisions he's been making lately. 
maybe one or two bad bumps on the head, uh, they should check concussion protocol. Just looking out for you, Aaron. But if you want to do your own research, it's up to you. And that is Tweets of the Week. Aaron, do you like saving time? Yeah, I do. Now tell me, do you like saving money? Yes. Well, if you have a small business, then you are going to love our sponsor, Stamps.com. I love Stamps.com. And since 1998, Stamps.com has been an indispensable tool for nearly 1 million businesses. Stamps.com brings the services of the USPS and UPS shipping right to your computer. So whether you're an office sending invoices, a side hustle Etsy shop, or a full-blown warehouse shipping out orders, Stamps.com will make your life easier. And all you need is a computer and a sanded printer, no special supplies or equipment. And you'll be up and running within minutes. You'll get exclusive discounts on postage and shipping from USPS and UPS. And once your mail is ready, just schedule a pickup or drop it off time, no traffic, no lines. So Jack, cut the confusion out of shipping. With Stamps.com's new rate advisor tool, you can compare shipping rates and timelines to easily find the best option for you. Yeah, so save time and money with Stamps.com. There's no risk. And with our promo code zoomed in, you get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in zoomed in. That's stamps.com, promo code zoomed in. Stamps.com, never go to the post office again. And that is our show. Thank you so much to the Zoomed In family for tuning in with us every week. Thank you so much for Zooming In. Another special shout out to Adam Salton, our editor, who edits the show every week. We could not get it done without him. That is right, Aaron. Raise the roof for Adam. We appreciate him so much. Um, and Aaron, we every week we tell the listeners to subscribe, to leave a review. Um, but this week we have a special request. If you enjoy the show, which we hope you do, and you're Zooming In with us every week, Tell a, tell a friend about it. If you got family and friends in for Thanksgiving, you know, give a shout out to the Zoomed In podcast. Pass it along to someone who is interested in politics and hearing a young person's perspective on some issues. We would really appreciate it. And if you do, tweet at us, let us know. And we'd love to give you a huge Twitter hug, a huge Twitter thank you. We'd appreciate that so much. And if Aaron, if the people want to tweet at us or they want to get in contact with us, where can they find you? Uh, on all of my socials at Aaron Harness. What about you, Jack? You can find me on Twitter at JD Cacciarella. That's J D C O C C H I A R E L L A. Or you can find me making TikToks at Jack Cacciarella on TikTok. And you can also check out Aaron's YouTube, Aaron Parnas. Aaron does a great job breaking down legal analysis, political analysis. The man does it all. <laughs> he is incredible. So thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, share the show, send us a tweet, and have an incredible rest of your week. Thank you so much for zooming in.